Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. This time, I'm letting Adrian Heath off the hook this week. Instead, I get really the brains of the operation and assistant coach Ian Fuller. Now, I'm sure Adrian doesn't listen to this, so he won't know that I just said that. And hopefully his office isn't too close to where you're standing right now. But but yeah, uh, Ian, thank you so much for joining me. I know we haven't gotten to see each other in person for quite some time and not out at training every day, but I enjoy seeing you on Zoom here and, and catching up on the first game. Yeah, really nice to see you again. It's been probably four months uh, through the long winter season in Minnesota since we've seen you and uh, hope, hopefully get to see you out at training soon. Yeah, I know somebody else asked me that one day and I'm like, well, why, like, why would I be out there? Like, I don't need to be out there. I mean, I really enjoyed coming to training every day when I was working for the club and having to know like all the ins and outs, but it's so different, you know, covering it from this perspective, but at least doing the podcast, I still feel like I get to stay connected to what you guys have going on and, and having all the different guests and stuff. So what was preseason from your vantage point, aside from long, at least you were in two warm climates, so I don't want to hear any complaints. But what was your your preseason like for you? What was your vantage point of it? Yeah, it was. Um, we had seven weeks compared to six weeks, um, so we had an extra week this this last uh, preseason. Um, we did some really good work, some hard work, um, and I think the guys you have to give them a lot of credit. They put in so much work this off season. Uh, a lot of them came in fit, so as 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 much a fitness as we did. The guys had a really good baseline. Um, we got some really good work done in Florida. Um, you, I think, I think with the the group we've got this year, we we had to to have an understanding that we need everyone working and being on the same page, and um, give the guys credit from day one. They have been giving uh, everything they've got. They've been working their tails off for each other. Uh, and it's more the collective this year than it probably has ever been with the club. And we all know that. And um, you kind of saw that going into to week one against Dallas. Um, you know, we have we've had some concerns during preseason. We haven't scored as many goals as we'd have liked. We haven't created enough opportunities um, to to win on a regular basis in this league. But we know that we have to be extremely defensively sound and, and uh, everyone rowing in the right direction. Um, and then, you know, out in Palm Springs, uh, again, a, another lovely place to go. Um, but the guys again, put in a lot of hard work. Um, you know, got a, um, a decent result and two poor results, but we knew that it, it wasn't, it's not always result based in preseason. It's, it's, it's getting some of the work we had to get in. Uh, but again, we were missing some guys, uh, you know, even going into the last few preseason games cause of, you know, cause of green card meetings and, so uh, it was a difficult to get some sort of shape, some of the shape work done, but um, I thought our shape was really, really good against Dallas, and and that showed with all the work we've done in preseason. So when you look at going into opening day, clearly it's not, you know, maybe not ideal because you just said you were you had some pieces missing towards the end of preseason. Even if you're just trying to get some tactical work done, you're trying to get that rhythm, trying to get that chemistry, that cohesiveness even with the guys that are returning, but you also have guys that are coming back now that hoping for a breakout year. When Mender Garcia came partway through last season, you know, second season for Bungagukle Longwana, you've got Kervin Ariaga with his second year now ahead of him. And he missed some time last year with a high ankle sprain. So how much did you feel like with the group that you did have there and available 
there's just sort of a light bulb that has gone on a comfort level with them returning being, you know, in Minnesota now for the second time, knowing what they kind of have in front of them. Yeah. I think that the one thing about not bringing a lot of guys in during the off season is that you've got a lot of, a lot of continuity uh, amongst the group. Um, you know, a lot of the guys have known the, our system for years, uh, if not just a year, um, you know, Menders are one of the rare cases you bring in mid season uh, and you can tell it takes some time to get used to this league, you know, um, well, a top player in Robin Lode came came right after his season in Europe and came into this league and didn't particularly perform how he would have liked to just because he's he's not uh, had gone through a preseason he'd not gone through uh, all the the little team building stuff that you like to to have within a group um, so it, it's not always easy to come in mid season um, you know and and even some of the guys we brought in this this off season. Um, Mickey Tapias is is a is a pro has been a pro for many years, um, so a lot of them have fit uh, in into our system really really nicely. Um, and again, we're looking at the collective this year, and a lot of these guys are selfless uh, individuals and selfless players, and uh, for the common good. And that's exactly what we're going to need this year. What about bringing in though some league veterans and like Zarek Valentin? He gets to start it right back against Dallas. You know, somebody who's just been around the league knows how to he's a pros pro leadership qualities you know what does that mean when you bring in a player like that that you just kind of know what you're going to get and that you can feel good about bringing in some veterans just to kind of slot right in and even if they're not on the pitch they're so helpful off the pitch and at training sessions yeah invaluable i mean i was speaking with was he um i think last week called him assistant coach uh zarek valentin because he's so vocal he knows the league inside and out he's won championships in this league uh, he is the perfect individual to have uh, maybe with a younger guy in, in, in front of him. Um, when Bongi plays that side, um, you know, you, you've also got a, a, a new center back coming into the league and he can help with that. You know, his, his Spanish speaking has been uh, invaluable. So Z has been perfect for what we've, we've needed this year. Uh, he can play both sides, but vocally he's just been fantastic. He's been great for the young guys. Uh, as well to get used to the league. You know, you've talked about selflessness and sort of the unselfish nature of this group, showing up, being willing to do the work, working as a cohesive unit. You know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that there's still an absence of a Manny Reynoso, but you have the quality in the player like a Robin Lud who can slide right in, play anywhere at any time. He's played the 10, he's played the nine, he's played the eight. I mean, really, and we're not even talking about when he's on the wing, so how important was that in this time of absence of Reynoso to be able to have a player like that with that kind of quality and that sort of work rate that you can put in that role, at least for now? I joke with Rob all the time. I I said, give me 10 clones of Robin Lode and I think I can <laughs> win, the league, win the league with him because he, he just understands every role. Um, he, he just gets it. He's so smart. He's so good with the ball. Um, but usefulness as well. The funny thing is, is, is he probably played one of his worst games for us uh, against Dallas, but just his defensive shape and understanding is so helpful for a young guy like uh, uh, Garcia um, to play next to him, which in such an important role to take away the six uh, of Dallas and make them go around us rather than through us. Um, but yeah, Rob is, he's, he's a special character. He is uh, the, 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 Coach's best friend because he gives you a least aggravation with 100% output and 100% uh, 
effort. Um, he's just, uh, he, he's, he's fantastic to be around. And I think the guys love him because of it. Yeah. I remember, I remember at training every day, you know, we usually be standing out kind of by the coolers and the, and the water before sometimes you guys would trickle out and he's always just sitting on the cooler until he's got to get on the pitch. And that's not because he's being lazy. It's almost like he's just conserving his energy. You know, he knows what he needs to do to be ready for a game because he's been there, done that kind of just goes about his business, but yeah, just sort of like that sly smile goes about his business, gets the work done. We'll do whatever's asked. And what I really appreciated about him last season when he was playing more in that holding mid role or almost like a double pivot or an eight is I think people might have been pleasantly surprised about his feistiness, his physical nature, his bite to him, because normally when he was on the wing or whatever, you don't see that, you know, you don't pick him as a guy that's like going to get in a fight or something, you know? No, he would, the moment he crosses the line, he he changes because he does have that bit of bite to him. Every morning I see him, I ask Rob, how are you doing? And he just looks at me and shrugs his shoulders. He's like, I- I'm okay. <laughs> and that's all you really want to hear from. Cause he, if he says he's bad, then you worry. If he says he's good, then you really worry. But he, uh, the moment he crosses the, that white line, he's he's a battler, and and I wouldn't change him for any other player in the league, um, week in and week out. You know, we needed to interview his wife. That's what it is. Well, you know what I mean. I feel like what if he's. I remember the only time I got some emotion out of him one time was I was asking about him because I think Boxel went out to dinner, or went somewhere with his wife, or you know, his birthday or something. And so Robin was watching their two kids and he was like, Oh, come on. Like it gets to a point, like it's 10 o'clock, you know, like what yeah. are you doing? It's like the only time I ever heard him say like some kind of, you know, funny and, you know, cause him and Vox have a pretty good relationship. Yeah. They're very close. And they have this very similar demeanor and the a quick way to get a smile is ask them about their families and they'll yep. instantly smile. Other than that, it's very just matter of fact. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this FC Dallas game. And you and I, before we started recording, we were talking about it. You can go down the stat sheet. I can look up the stats and say, you know, what category. But at the end of the day, the only category that matters is you got a goal. They didn't. You held them to a shutout, which was big for your back line. And, of course, for Dane St. Clair. But also the finish from Mender Garcia and just finding a way to get a result on the road against a Dallas team that is essentially identical to the way they ended last season. Yeah, I think if you look at even the last two matches we played, uh, actually back-to-back because of the the playoffs last year, we gave away one goal uh, in two matches to to Dallas at Dallas, and it was a set-piece goal, and I take responsibility for that. That's my fault. But my point is is that we've held a very, very good team to one goal in, in 180 minutes. Do you know? It's, it's, it's um, a testament to our strong defensive shape, our discipline, um, what we find very important on the road is to keep uh, clean sheets, you know, from Dane all the way to the number nine in Mender. I thought all 11 guys worked for the common good. And that's exactly what you're going to need with a, against a talented uh, veteran uh, team in Dallas. Um, you know, we, we have been lucky the last two years not to have gone, gone down there in 110 degree heat where it's a little bit more difficult on us northerners up here, but um, it, it it worked out very well that we frustrated them. Um, you know, we had more than just the one opportunity, and and I think that that shows that we can create more opportunities. Uh, we just didn't, we weren't clinical enough on the break. Um, but I thought behind the ball, I thought we were extraordinary. When you look at that and you talk about opportunities created, chances created, dangerous, you know, quality chances created. 
And I'm looking at the stat sheet because I haven't rewatched 90 minutes of the match yet. But when I see nine corners to zero corners, was that like a thought? Like, what, where do you guys need to be more dangerous to get to the end line to be effective? Or because you have space, you have speed, you got Frega who likes to cut in, but you've got Bongi who can get to the end line or cut in. You know, was is any of those things even a thought, or is that what just not even factored into the game? Yeah, of course, you're defending nine corners. Of course, if if you use you know that ratio and and that formula every match, um, you're probably not going to be on the winning end every weekend. But, you know, I, I'm not so concerned with that. I'm looking at some of the chances we created comparatively to them uh, in a high-stress place to play. Um, you know, I, I look at situations, you know, like Menders on the break. Um, you know, Bongi had a chance or two. Um, you know, are we getting in the areas we would like to uh, in controlled manners to create more opportunities? No. We know that um, that's been a, a, a focus all off season and into preseason is that we have to be better in the ball in the final third, um, you know, when to, to go, when to maybe hold it up and maybe create some opportunities through a bit more possession. But, um, you know, I think, I think the, those nine to zero uh, corners and then some of the, 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 the shots versus Shots on goal. I think they had one compared to our one. You know, I mean, there, there's many ways to skin a cat, and luckily we 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 skinned the the cat the right way uh, on Saturday. Well, and I think soccer is probably one of the sports that's most telling in that sense that the stat sheet can rarely tell the story of how the game actually unfolds, and it's probably one of the only sports on the planet where you can have you know ninety percent of this possession and the better of the stats and come away with the loss or vice versa. So I think that that's, what's always challenging. And, you know, people can't get too hung up on that because unless you've watched the game front to back, back to front to really know how chances were created. We just talked about players that are in their second season, new signings. Does it feel like getting Hassani Dotson back is a real boost to this group coming off that ACL injury? It's almost like getting, a new player because you're getting them back in and a player that can play multiple positions. Massive. Um, you know, arguably Asani has been one of our, um, our, our most influential and steady players when he's fit in the last two or three years. Um, he just drives a winning attitude of the team. He's strong. He's, his ability is fantastic. He's just got a great mentality and we've, we missed him last year. There's no question about it. Um, just to have, have him in and around the group this preseason has been has been great. You know, even some of the fitness stuff, him driving the guys, him pushing people. Um, you know, he may not be the most vocal guy, but just his demeanor uh, uh, is 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 a plus for us. And then you just you get him back on the field in terms of quality, and um, you know he's still working through some of the, the cobwebs that a year off have and. There'll be some ebbs and flows for him for sure. He'll spike and then he'll valley and and you know he'll he'll just the steady incline is what we're looking for, Asani. And it was a good first step for him to get you know 25, 30 minutes under his belt um, to push on for the next week um, against Red Bull. Yeah, I mean it's crazy that you guys already have a bye week, which it, you know I I understand the nature of the schedule, the nature of the beast. Does it feel like this came at a weird time for you? Would you rather have had it? later does it just not really matter and you just deal with it i mean how how do you guys look at it already just being the second week of the season yeah it is what it is kendra and i mean i ideally it would be after 10 to 15 weeks but 
um, you know, having picked up three points against Dallas was massive um, because, you know, you, you step on the field against Red Bull um, at 7.30 Central time and then a West Coast uh, team could have been playing East, on the East Coast and already had, had nine points by the time you kick off and you're at zero after three matches, two two matches out for us. So, yeah, it is um, – it's a plus that we got the, the three points and – Maybe it's a little bit of a, a shake-up burden that we have a buy right now, but it is what it is. Everyone's got to do it. We got on with it. Um, you know, if anything, get you know, Amaria back from from Paraguay after his his green card meetings and get some guys maybe healthy that that have a, a few nicks here and there. But um, it is what it is when we get on with it. And and thankfully, uh, we have an extra week to prepare for Red Bull, which is a very difficult team to play against. We all know. Uh, how they play and it's it's a difficult team to to prepare for so we've got next week for that when you look at the roster and yes you have a week off in the second week but this 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 season is going to be a beast in the sense that you've got leagues cup you've got all these competitions thrown in there so depth and quality of roster is going to be incredibly important down the stretch when you look at where this roster sits right now and the pieces that you've added, we didn't even mention Daniil Henry coming also back in as a center back and a veteran of this league. But when you look at the quality of this roster, where where do you think the strength of it is? Where do you think there's maybe still a little bit of a need? Um, you know, Zarek in the right back role, you've got DJ Taylor. DJ can play on the left, but it's Kamar Lawrence for the most part. So where do you think this roster is just going to hold up for for the bulk of the season? Yeah, I think that the the continuity of the group from last year, you know, um, with those added pieces that you had mentioned, I think that's going to be the strength of the group. You know, I mean, clearly we're missing one a, a valuable piece, um, but we're going to concentrate on the guys that are here and concentrate the strengths of the team. And the strengths of the team right now are the guys are bought in. You know, guys understand their roles. They work for each other and and they want to they want to fight through games to get results. Um, and, and sometimes in, in this league that works, uh, you have to have talent as well. And we do, we have, we have pieces of talent that are game changers, but I would say the, the most important thing for us right now, moving forward in this early part of the season is, is just that, that fight and that grit that we've got all together. When you look at Red Bulls, how, and when do you guys really turn the page to prepare for them? And focus on them versus on you and what you guys did or didn't do in game one against Dallas. Yeah, I think with the extra week, we'll spend this week uh, working on some of the stuff that we, you know, didn't do so well and that we can work on uh, on the weekend, um, getting guys healthy. You know, we give the, gave the guys a few days off to, you know, the, the preseason was a long time away from their families. So it's good for them maybe to get away for a few days, get their heads right, be with their families. Um, and then we'll get going uh, for Red Bull. Again, it's a very difficult team to prepare for. It's uh, significantly different than what we faced in Dallas. Um, and also at, at home, you know, we, we want to be effective and we want to play attacking, you know, football. So it, it, it's going to be a challenge for us. But, you know, I thought they were very good against Orlando and, and you know, didn't get the, the result they deserved down in Orlando. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be turning the page. We already have as a staff. We'll be turning the page for the guys this week and getting them focused uh, on Red Bull uh, next week. You know, and not that it matters, but I'm looking at the forecast here. I know we've got some snow out there right now. It seems like it's melting a little bit. This week looks fantastic for the rest of the week. 
but getting that field ready for March 11th, which we know the whole, well, and not even, I think you guys are supposed to have an open training session this weekend at Allianz field. We'll see if that, that happens. Um, so the fan base can come out, but when you talk about um, home field advantage, I know it's the Red Bulls, but do, do you guys think about that at all? I, I know that there's going to be you know, 20,000 strong at Allianz Field opening day, regardless of the, the temperatures and the climate. But how much are you guys looking forward to being at Allianz Field on March 11th? Yeah, I think, you know, the I threw the whole weather stuff out when, when we had Atlanta. February 2nd? Oh, in the in the snow game, our first year in the MLS, I threw that out the door when when a bunch of South Americans beat us. The the, the Nordic team we had, uh, they they smoked uh, smoked us. I think it was six two that day, or I don't recall. Um, so I've thrown the weather out the window. But the one thing I am excited about is are getting in front of the fans. I think that you know they had a little bit of a taste watching on television, but to to have them see us us see them uh i think it's we've got a great advantage here at Allianz and i think the support of the the fans is is one of the if not the driving factor over the last few years for us to make the playoffs is that we've created a really good environment at home and they've created a, a financial a substantial uh amount of support for the guys um, to push through tough times. And again, we're going to try to make it one of the most difficult places to play against. I think last year we gave away too many points at home. So I think this is the first step in, in trying to create that atmosphere uh, again uh, this year. Yeah. I mean, Allianz Field is second to none in as far as atmospheres go. Um, and, you know, we've been at just about all of them around uh, the league here. So I think it's one of those things that the Minnesotans and the fans should be incredibly proud of. And when we would travel at other stadiums, people would always say, if there's a traveling supporter or a traveling fan, that's like, where can I, where do I need to get to? It was almost always on the bucket list of, I need to get to Allianz Field, even other broadcasters. So we know what, what this place can bring. And I know it'll be no different on March 11th. I don't know if you were you know, at the stadium on February 2nd during the men's qualifier against Honduras, you know, uh, a year plus ago, but yeah, that was much colder conditions and the, and the fans turned out, there was no hesitation. Yeah. So we had March 11th, uh, they'll be balmy. We had an uh, easy excuse to miss that. Cause we were in preseason down in Florida last year. <laughs> so we didn't, we didn't uh, make it out to the match, but we saw some of the fans, some of them were, you know, shirtless and I mean, just nuts, but um, yeah, Minnesotans are built differently. <laughs> There's no question. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Ian. I know I said the same thing to Cameron Knowles when he joined me, um, and we'll be catching up with him in the next segment. But I know you guys have an insane schedule. I know it's a bye week for you, but nonetheless, it's you guys have a lot going on. Um, get locking it down here and getting ready for March 11th. So I appreciate you taking the time. No worries, Kendra. Thank you. It's good to see you. Uh, go Loons. Yep, sounds good. And hey, everybody, stick around. Uh, Cameron Knowles, head coach of MNUFC2, coming up in segment number two. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With records, test results, and care team, you are always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Segment number two of this Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. And now I get to be joined by Cameron Knowles, the head coach of MNUFC2, soccer extraordinaire with a long history of success just about every single place that he's been. So thank you, Cam, for joining me. I know you have an incredibly busy schedule. We were just sort of chatting about it before we started recording. But I I appreciate you taking the time because it's about time that we get an update on what the twos have going on. Yeah, no worries. Happy to be here. We've got more than enough time. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the the background behind you is a little bit gray, which is, is a little bit what like the dome looks like when you guys are in it for, for this extended period of time. The sun is shining today. I hear like things dripping and melting outside. So I kind of feel like that's a good sign that, you know, maybe out on grass soon enough. And uh, just give us a little lowdown on what the preseason is like for you guys, because we focus so much on the first team and the twos that have been with the ones. What's it like for you guys? What is the schedule like since yours is a little bit longer than the first team? Yeah, I mean, in, in total, it ends up being a little bit longer because we brought all our signed players we brought in uh, with the same report date as the first team so that, you know, if we if there happened to be an opportunity for them to go with the first team, whether it was the, even just the first week here, the first trip to Florida, the second one to, to California, we wanted guys to be available. And so we're fortunate that, you know, a number of our guys, six, seven guys were able to participate with the first team. And then we started you know, in earnest, probably three or four weeks after that. Um, and we had a large group of trialists. Um, we had, you know, a decent group of academy players, some that we hadn't seen a lot of last year that were, you know, relatively new to us, some that we'd seen a little bit last year, but we want to see more of this year. Uh, and then adding in our guys as they come back, you know, from from being with the first team in Florida or, you know, being with the first team in California. So our numbers have sort of ebbed and flowed a little bit throughout the preseason, but it's been good. I mean, the first two weeks we're basically focusing on and being able to give a lot of time and attention to uh, guys that were in on trial, guys that were brought in from our open combine. And so it was good to have that, you know, single-minded focus on those guys for a couple of weeks and then to slowly build in and, and just be intentional, intentional, intentional about how we do things through the preseason leading up to now we're a month out from from the next game. When you look at and, and take some time to reflect on 2022, what is that process like for you as a head coach? Because I know you are driven to have a certain level of success. And success in year one may look different than success in year two. And I'm not just talking like wins and losses, but just what you want to you know, establish and accomplish with this group and with MNUFC too. When you reflect on 2022, what does that process look like for you? When do you kind of sit down and start to focus on 2023 and how much of a break did you give yourself? Yeah, well, the good thing is, is, you know, with a whole new league starting, us starting a team, you know, for the first time as well, a whole new staff, it was all, you know, every week something new was coming together, you know, and so we we got to the end of the season and we finally, you know, had things rolling a little bit. We knew how we worked with the academy. We knew how we worked with the first team. We had all our staff in place. We all had all our players signed. But, I mean, we we went into the first game of last season and we were probably signing five or six players the week leading up to the first game, you know, and we're really just trying to turn around these contracts to make sure we've got enough registered players to play in the first game. Um, we went through a preseason with almost, you know, no staff. I mean, it was myself, uh, an equipment manager and an athletic trainer, and then we gradually added the rest of the staff. And so... Um, I think we've been able when, you know, the season finished to just catch our breath a little bit, um, have a look and evaluate what went well and what didn't, um, 
assess, you know, obviously the roster and those decisions moving forward. And I think everyone's come in with a, with a better understanding. You know, as a staff, we understand each other more. The returning players understand the expectations on them and the challenges of being with the first team, maybe on one day and, and being with us on another. Uh, the academy players understand the opportunity that's that's ahead of them as well. So I think there's just more knowledge about the situation um, and, and the team's in a much stronger position, you know, especially comparing it from now to this time last year. So you didn't answer the question, how much break did you give yourself? I mean, the off season, <laughs> some people felt like the off season is long. Some people feel like it's too short. We had the yeah. world cup thrown in the mix this time. Plus, you know, the holidays are already always thrown in there too. So how much time, you know, break did you give yourself to sort of just take a breath, not even from a soccer perspective, from a life perspective? Yeah, I mean, I got some time, you know, and but things never stop. You know, I was able to go back to New Zealand for a couple of weeks and see my family. And it was the first time that I've been back in, gosh, maybe maybe five years, um, you know, and with COVID and whatnot. First time I'd seen uh, my mom in maybe three years. So it was great to get back there. And we we're fortunate with the weather and, um, you know, long flight with three young kids. But it was it was great. So we got to to take some time then and then came back and then, you know, right back into it. It's the MLS combine and fortunately just stayed here over the, over the winter break over Christmas um, and got to spend time with the family and the kids. And yeah, it was good. Nice. Uh, yeah. That is crazy. When you just think about that, that timeline and what are the ages of your kids? Uh, eight, five and three. Yeah. So I mean, you think about that, if you haven't been back home in that amount of time, yeah. I mean, FaceTime is lovely, but you know, yeah. there's only so much you can do yeah. um, on FaceTime. So how awesome is that just to, for your kids and, and for your family back home? So when you come back and you're like diving into 2023, you said you've got the combine, you've got open trials. There's all these things, these mechanisms that you're trying to get kind of wielded into one spot. How much communication then is there between the first team, between the academy, what you're trying to accomplish, what players you're looking at? And then even now, I mean, with the Academy, you guys have added some older age groups that are be going to be coming into the mix, which I would think could be helpful for what, you know, for what you're trying to do with the twos. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the communication is constant, you know, and it has to be. We're fortunate with, you know, set up in the offices that we all share common space. And so a lot of that stuff happens organically. We have everyone in the same building. We have the Academy staff all in the same building, um, you know, with Amos now. Um, helping out with the youth development side. We have a long history that goes back and a really good relationship. Adi, who's coming as a U19s coach, we go back, you know, um, to our time together in Portland. He helped out uh, with our second team too last summer um, as an assistant coach. So, you know, there's there's good relationships that are there and obviously the existing academy staff that we're working with last year. So it's the communication is constant. Um, and we're fortunate, I think, that we have a lot of eyes on on our team, from the first team, from the academy, you know, if you, you go out to training this morning and the first team staff are all out there watching us train, um, technical director, general manager, they're all out watching us train, academy staff are out watching the, the training. So I think there's a lot there um, where, where we do have that vertical integration and the fact that we share so many common spaces here in the facility really helps. We talk about this a lot, even with much younger age groups, but how important is it in your mind to have that whole concept of if you see it, you can be it for some of these young players that are coming through when they do share those spaces, not even just have an opportunity to train, but share the spaces. I remember seeing the footage last year of when they did that all team photo up in the bleachers and one of the, some of the kids were mic'd up and just like them lighting up when they saw some of these first team players and to be in and around them. So how much do you think about that in your role? 
Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible. You know, we're we're hopefully the ones that get to bridge the gap. You know, from from those kids coming through the academy system into a first team environment, and so it's a really important stage in their development. Uh, and we're we're really fortunate that we get to be a part of it. But yeah, it's it's incredible because even you know you take Carlos Leatherman, who last year you know through some injuries and availability things that then trickle down from first team to second team, he gets an opportunity to play when he probably was was not expecting to. And then gets in a run of games where he ends up playing, you know, 17, 18 games probably over the course of a season. And now he's spent an entire, you know, preseason in with the first team. And if you ask him, you know, if he thought any of that would have happened this time last year, it would be really hard to imagine it because none of the infrastructure was in place for it to happen or to to support that kind of development. When you look at what it is that you enjoy most about this age group what is it what is it that drives you with this age group or some of the developmental aspects the younger i shouldn't say younger they're still usually teenagers and on but what what do you like about this stage sort of the pre-pro even though they sign these different wonky contracts yeah. next but you know what i mean yeah look, i i just think there's so much that we can help them with you know in terms of their professionalism their daily habits understanding what how big of a jump it is to the next level and and hopefully keeping them grounded and driven and uh, with a clear idea of what that pathway is, because the understanding that they're getting close, you know, but there's still so much to do and it's so far away. And I think we can, myself and and the staff that we have, we get to lend on, uh, you know, borrow from our own experiences and then share those with the players. You know, I've been um, on an MLS contract and didn't play with an MLS team. I had then went to USL to try and get games you know, we have Jeremy Hall, who went through the process of being traded as a player, going from MLS to USL. And so I think the the experiences that we've lived can help these players understand what the, the landscape is out there. And so much has changed in terms of the growth of soccer and the leagues, MLS, USL, and now MLS Next Pro, of course, and the other leagues that are out there. But so much is still the same in terms of, you know, the development's not linear, the pathway isn't the same for everyone. And how can we help each individual find what's right for them and help them get to, you know, attain the highest standard they can. When you look at what this league was last year, not just you guys, but as a whole in the first year of MLS next pro, and then into year two, some additions of some teams, you know, it's constantly sort of evolving as this league does continue to to grow in the United States. What excites you about 2023 from a league as a whole? And then also within your team with some of the roster turnover that you guys had. I think the best thing is, is again, that it's not, it's going, you know, and so once it's going, we can make improvements. I think the focus last year from a lot of the teams and, and especially the teams that were, were new to having a second team uh, and the league itself was, was getting it going, you know, and getting things in place. And now we're looking at refining some of those processes. And some of that is, you know, whether it's the laws of the game that they're trying to introduce new things that change in our league that might be introduced uh, into other leagues. Um, but also I think, improving the quality for us, you know, trying to close the gap between uh, what it is to be with them and USC two, And how do you make that jump to the first team and trying to improve the quality in our squad so that we have guys that are interesting. I think you look around MLS next pro and there's a number of guys that have signed um, first team contracts going into the season. Columbus had three players playing their first game of the year that, that played with their next pro team last year. So that, you know, that's like the next thing for us is now we've got this thing going, we've got it up and running. We were competitive in the league last year. How do we then serve the purpose of one 
getting players into the first team and continuing to facilitate that development for our academy players. So, you know, that's that's what's on, on the horizon for us, and that's what we keep pushing towards. When you look at the specific roster and some of the changeover that did happen um, at the end of the season, because we all know that during the season there's some up and down and back and forth, I mean, first-team players playing with you guys as they're coming back from injury and trying to keep their fitness and whatnot, and then the the MNUC two guys getting pulled up to the the first team at times. So when you look at the end of season roster and some of the additions that you guys have made, is there anyone in particular that has, you know, really impressed you, surprised you a little bit? You all know, you know that all the guys you bring in, you're signing them for, or you're bringing them in for a reason, but was there anything that sort of stood out to you? Uh, I, I would hate to start singling guys out. It's such <laughs> a trap. Um, but I think, you know, it, it was, we had some really difficult conversations at the end of the year um, because we had guys that played a lot of games for us that we didn't end up bringing back, you know, and they contributed so much to our success on the field last year, um, so much to the culture that we had with, in our team off the field. And so it was really hard to let those guys go um, and and to try and help them find a different pathway and and continue somewhere else. But that's been, <clears throat> that's been a real challenge. Uh, making those decisions. You know, sometimes you hope those decisions are really easy, but at the end of the year, they were really difficult. Uh, and for us all to sit in a room and, and figure out what direction we were going to go, we only have so many roster spots that are going to be available. We knew that we needed to make some changes. And so we had to make some tough calls. But when I look to this season, you know, and some of the newer players, uh, even, even some of the returning ones, you know, we had signed, um, you know, the center back, young center back wrote us. We had signed him, but couldn't get the visa paperwork across the line. We expected him to play games towards the end of last year and he wasn't able to. So, you know, we've, we've seen him a lot in training, um, but, you know, it'd be exciting to see him play games. Uh, Jesse Khan played only a handful of games after being out with injury and away with his national team. So, you know, we're almost seeing him for the first time uh, and he's coming with a, with a great attitude. Even Mosquera, who played one or two games towards the end of the season, another one that we were waiting on, uh, his visa stuff for a long time that now we get to have from the start of the year. So, you know, just, just to mention a few, but his, uh, you know, other ones that we've signed to new, new to the teams, Aiden Ballow, I think will be exciting. The Australian player, Loic, uh, coming in with his first full professional season. Um, Britton Fisher, who we've just signed young center back, I think is going to be really exciting for us. So there's a lot, I think there's a lot when we look at the group to be excited about, I think we've, you know, really develop the squad and we have a good core group of players and we're still looking to add, you know, one or two. We still have players in on trial, but um, uh, I think it'll be a fun year for us. When you look at uh, the integration and you said you guys are in communication all the time, first team academy, you know, the, the beauty of being in the same facility, but you have a different group of players than what's on the first team. So how important is it to try to be on the same page from a standpoint of, style of play philosophy you guys go into your schedule you still want to get wins but there's things that you're trying to accomplish to get you know these guys to that next level and up to the first team so how do you balance that in your own mind and and when you're going out to even training sessions yeah i mean i think it helps that we're aligned in how we think about the game the first and the second team staff um i you know got to spend that time with the first team staff when i first came here uh, and, and have a really clear understanding of, of how they want to play and what the expectations are in training and week to week for them. And so our goal is that when a, even if a player goes up to a training session with the first team, that there's not too much that's dissimilar. You know, we, we will have different ways of doing things. We'll have different exercises we do in training, but there'll be some core things that are the same, you know, and that we will take from, from the first team so that a player goes in and they know what the expectations are, um, that we will more often than not play in a similar way so that 
we can assess a player fairly and we can say, listen, does he fit this position and does he do it well with the second team? Great. How does that translate to a first team? You know, it'd be difficult if we all of a sudden did something completely different because I don't think you'd be able to assess the players in the same way. Um, so we try and, you know, it's it's never going to be the same. The players are different. Um, we're different as people, as a staff, but we try to have as many similarities as possible so that the transition for those players, whether they're coming down from the first team, they don't say, hey, man, what's this? This is completely different. Um, they see it as an environment where they can continue, whether it's coming back from injury, getting, you know, the minutes they need to stay sharp, that, that they're excited about that. Um, and that our players going up, the same thing. We set them up for success when they go into a training session. There's there's enough that's going to be hard when they step up into a first team training session that we need to ease that transition as much as we can. Saw Patrick Weah and Tanya Oluwache on the roster um, for the opening match for Minnesota United against FC Dallas and Tanya even getting on the pitch. So when you look at 2023, what do you think would be a successful year for MNUFC2? How do you quantify that in the position that you're in? Well, I mean, I think success is a lot of different things. You know, I think as competitors, the athletes and the coaches ourselves, I mean, we're always driven by by wins and losses as well, you know. And so I think that's also part of development, especially as when you get into this pointy end of it, um, you know, with sort of the last step on that development ladder, they have to know what it what it means you know, to win a game, to lose a game, the how you manage those final moments in a game. So you have to have some emphasis on that. Now it's not, you know, it's not the be all and end all. It's like, like it is at the first team level, but they have to know. Um, so success for us is certainly winning games that we, we compete for the playoffs. You know, we want to, we we're disappointed last year not to make the playoffs. We, I think we had a good enough team um, and we just let some results get away from us at different parts of the year. Uh, so we'll see if we can, if we can be competitive, I think we've put a, put together a good team to be competitive, but then ultimately we need to continue I would like to see more academy players being involved with us this year. Um, you know, Carlos played the bulk of the minutes uh, and carried that load for the academy last year. If we can get a couple more guys involved in that um, week to week, I think that would be really exciting for the club. And two, if at the end of the year we have some difficult decisions to make where some of our players are contending for first-team contracts, I think that would be really exciting. Well, I don't think, um, at least at the time of this recording, your your actual schedule has been released yet, to my knowledge. If I, am I correct on that? Yeah, it hasn't been finalized. Okay. We, okay, we cool. have we have a draft, but yeah, okay. we, okay, we okay. haven't seen a final. Well, I say I say cool, not like because you appreciate that. I'm sure you'd like to know, but you know, I think at the end of the day, the excitement is kind of palpable, and people focus on the first team, but I think it trickles right down to MNUFC two. And I know when I was out of training every single, just about every single day last year. When you got to see the the integration of MNUFC two guys into the first team, and whether it's to add numbers, whether it's to you know see what they can do, whether you're, there's a need or whatever it might be, I think that the excitement is palpable for year number two for this MNUFC two team. So we'll be looking for the schedule. We'll keep an eye out for it, and uh, be sure to be pumping and pushing people to watch and attend um, your guys' games because I think it's going to be a great season number two for you guys. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you. We hope so. It should be a great year for us. Yep, should be awesome. Well, thank you, Cam. I appreciate the time. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week to Sound of the Loons. Another one here presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Minnesota United, of course, with a week off already in week number two, a bye week for them. But they'll be back at it with a home opener on March 11th against the New York Red Bulls. Thanks, everybody.